Hello, and welcome to Season 3, Episode... Uh, 11? 11, sure. That sure. That's right. <laughs> Arrow, chapter and verse. Uh, I, of course, am Seth Alcorn. With me is my co-host, Patrick Griffey Donahai. Hello. And we are reviewing season three, episode four of Legends of Tomorrow called Phone Home. Phone Home. And if you thought this was a reference to E.T., you're right. In fact, if the entire episode is basically just the plot of E.T., Yes. You're right. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. If that's what you thought, you are absolutely correct. By the way, I just want to point out, because, of course, we are about complete transparency here at Arrow, chapter and <laughs> verse. Uh, you might have noticed in this month's, um, this month's lineup, season three, uh, episode, season three, or episode two of season three of Arrow, chapter and verse was, in fact, uh, the thing I posted on Patreon explaining why I t- called the Patreon what it is. Uh. Yes. Now, attentive listeners may be wondering why that was. And I can tell you, it's because we forgot to label an episode, episode two. We went right from one to three. We were so excited. We were very excited. And uh, <laughs> just wanted to make sure that you had something in the feed uh, for the most recent Thursday. Anyway, look. <laughs> so that's why when we say episode 11, we're pretty sure. Pretty sure. We're pretty sure it's episode 11. Uh, who are you I, to tell us otherwise? I don't e- know. Exactly. And sure, you know, the uh, other podcasts might do prep and have, uh, you know, things ready ahead of time. But that that's not us. We, that's... we, we go on the fly. We, we give from the heart, from the gut, from the, from the viscera. Full transparency, <laughs> zero <laughs> effort. That is exactly. our pledge to you. Righto. Yeah, I, I will say it was kind of fun when the uh, the guys, uh, the system mastery guys, were reading my uh, paid advertisement. Uh, <laughs> one of them was like, uh, one of them read the raw audio podcast line, and then the other one went, "What's a raw audio podcast?" Oh, I was going to ask that. What's a raw audio podcast? It's one where you where you don't edit. Oh, I, I just thought that was us being lazy, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, there we go. No, there's a type. There's a word for it. There's a word for it. Yes, raw audio. It's raw dog in it. it, it I hear people talk about that all the time. And yeah, I'm like, wow, there are a lot of podcasters out there in the world. That, that's not what we're, we're not even on Arrow. We don't have, you can't, we don't just not Mad Dog. You can't call anybody <laughs> Raw Dog. Although I did see a meme um, where the, the first part was Gordon, a quote, Gordon Ramsay. Uh-huh. This is raw. Are you satisfied with this? And then... <laughs> The, the next line is, being plowed by his huge hog. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> so now that that's in everybody's head, let's go mm-hmm. ahead and talk about this episode of Legends of Tomorrow. So it starts um, in the scene in E.T. where everything's covered in plastic sheeting and there are a bunch of government agents walking around. I'm not kidding about this. Yeah, no. Like the, a, the, it, it looks like a lifted out shot from E.T. Yeah, it's it's also it's so surprising to me that Spielberg didn't sue, but Patrick had the idea that maybe somewhere in the CW's corporate structure is the entity that owns the rights to ET. Mm-hmm. So that's why when somebody was like, "Well, let's just remake ET in forty-two minutes," somebody else was like, "Sure." Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I should. I mean, there'd be you know again we could have looked it up. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but. We, we, we did not. No. no. Yeah. Um, 
I I will say I have never seen so many government agents willing to shoot a small child. Yes, we um yeah in that first scene, this agent look because it's um little Ray. Uh, yeah, little Ray. Little Ray is running around. It's 1988, um, and he is running around this what looks to be a government agency. Um, and there are two agents that, you know, yell at him to freeze. And one agent has his pistol out, drawing down on this, what is he, 10, 11? If, if that. Yeah, year old boy. Like he could be eight. Yeah, and he's not armed or anything. He is just trying to run away from the scary adults who have, for all intent and purposes, kidnapped him because they've uh, taken, taken him into custody without his parents' notification or no, you know, knowing at all. So yeah, I when we got to, when they did when that happened, I was like, is he? Does he have a gun on this child? Yeah. Uh, and, and there's a lot of this. And there's like a scene where Ray gets away from people. Like somebody, they're running through this plastic, you know, plastic uh, line Sheeting. hallway. Yeah. And Ray is somehow out distancing the two adults who are chasing him. And he is running for another corridor. He thinks somehow that's going to help him. But I don't know why they didn't just chase after him. It seemed like it would have been okay. And the the male agent stops and slams a button in a wall and goes, now we've got him or something like that. And then at the the archway, the, the archway for lack of a better way to put it, or the, the juncture where the other corridor is, a, a door starts sliding down. And I'm like, we learn later that this is a rec center. And I'm like, what did you do? Wait a minute. Yeah, how did you upgrade? I know what you did. I know exactly what you did. And I think, Patrick, I think you know, too. Hey, how's it going? How you doing? Hey. Hey, it's the Dual Brothers. It's, it's the Dual Brothers, Dual but, Construction. That's do, right. That's yeah. D-U-H-L, uh, right? If you uh, if you need us, you could just call uh, 1-555. Uh, let me look this up for a second. Sorry. That's 1-555-3... <laughs> Eight, four, five. That's five, 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 three, eight, four, five. Or evil. Hey, 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 hey. Dual construction. Dual dual construction. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Dual construction. Yeah. Do you you need a a vertical sliding door put into a rec center on virtually no notice? We could do that. And we'll have it done in 24 hours or it's free. It's free. And nobody else is going to ever know. We'll take it out, too. No nobody problem. Else. Exactly. You'll never, you'll never, they'll never see it coming. Huh? Huh? So anyway, <laughs> the vertical sliding door starts to come down and Ray runs and slides under it and slides in such a way that it makes me think that they'd attach some ropes to his legs and were pulling him through because that slide just went at the same velocity for a good long time. Well, like, if you, I, I was going to say when I was watching it, um, where the, where the slide happens, there is a mat that's the same color. You can see there's a mat that's the yeah. same color as the floor and it's, 
covered in like grit or or sand or something so it's like they made sure that this kid would slide yeah i mean he has time to literally turn around and face the people he's looking at and like and and indiana jones wave and smile and smile as the thing comes down and it's like first of all why would you put that in there to begin with secondly once that happens why aren't you slamming on that button does the button only close the door <laughs> I I just I I I don't know. Um so then Ray runs over to another door that's locked and two other agents come up to them. One of them is supposed to be a version of that guy who was there in the 60s when the dominators landed and he's like the older uh I forget what his name is, uh but he's he's the older dude in the suit. Um, that shows up in the invasion uh, storyline, the invasion crossover. Mm-hmm. Except that he still looks like he's in his 20s. Right. They threw a little gray in his hair, but it just... Yeah. And we couldn't tell whether the hair was a, a wig or not because it was kind of sloppy. It seemed out of character for a guy who should have been like, you know, like a flat top or a high and tight or like a button-down 50s G-man. Uh, but it, it, I'm pretty sure it was a wig. It looked pretty... Wiggish, yeah, uh, and by Wiggish, we do not mean the uh, political party of the 18th century. Oh, we don't, no, we don't, uh, oh, okay. nor did, well, the I should say the British political party of the 18th century. Because, uh, do you know that uh, the Americans also had a Whig party? I did know that, actually. yes, yes, and it broke up over slavery, and then. Uh, Abraham Lincoln basically became the first Republican president. And there you go, I think, is the way that worked. <laughs> um, so then, uh, okay. So then this dude's trying to talk Ray down. He's like, don't, you know. So this is obviously a continuation from the last time we saw Ray when he was in the pipe and the eyes were there, like the scary eyes. Mm-hmm. And... <sighs> this dude is telling Ray to calm down that he doesn't understand the situation. And what Ray does is run up to him, grab his keys and try to go over to the locked door. Now, how I think how Ray thinks he's going to manage this in the three to four feet he's got between him and the adults. I don't know. I also don't know why somebody didn't just grab him, but the dude with his gun out just shoots Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Now, honestly, from what we find out later in the episode, there was no reason for him to do that. Like, Ray himself was not dangerous. Uh, and the, by the time he got that door unlocked, somebody could have grab, easily grabbed him. Yes. Like, he was going to have to find a key and unlock it and open the door. Uh, anyway. So, we cut back to the Wave Rider, where adult Ray is trying to get the team to do team building. Um, and... Everybody's like, no, we don't need to do this. Uh, everybody's making fun of Ray. And Ray points out that we're doing it for Zari's benefit because she's a new team member and she needs to get to know everybody. And she's like, no, I've, I've figured everybody out all, already. Uh, professor doesn't want to be here. Jax thinks I'm cute. Uh, 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 Nate and uh, Amaya have a, have a thing. Uh, Rory's drunk all the time. Uh, she doesn't say anything about Sarah. I noticed that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she she does say something that uh, Gideon is upset because uh, Zari altered a subroutine or something like that. 
And then everybody starts a cacophony and Ray quiets him down and he says, okay, we're going to do a trust fall. Rory's going to do a trust fall. He's going to fall gently into my arms. Rory basically says something to the effect that Ray paid him to do this. Ray says, I thought you weren't going to tell anybody. And Ray's like, okay, fall into my arms. I'm not going anywhere. And that is when the time catches up with him. And Ray just disappears because, mm -hmm. and then they're like, what happened to Ray? And Gideon's like, well, Ray died in 1988. And <laughs> this is where, like, Seth and I both go, well, the way you've worked time yeah. in your shows, CW, this should not have happened. The, he shouldn't have disappeared. Right. Or, well, and, and because... They, they get a pay like um, Gideon shows them the the paper from when yeah. Ray died uh, on October thirty first, nineteen eighty eight, and they decide to go back to October thirtieth, yeah, to, the day before he dies to to save him. Yeah, now. I also want to point out that they're like, oh, Ray's body was found in the woods. That's terrible. Ray was shot. Mm -hmm. Nobody says anything about died of a gunshot wound or had a gunshot or was, you know, nobody says anything like that. Um, so they go back to 1988. And as soon as they get to 1988, Ray reappears. Now, no. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Not, not the way, not the way you've, you've, you've worked this. There's because, because you are in the, you are in the, Ray has died in the timeline. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you go back to the day before his death at this point, Ray will die in the timeline. So if Ray will die in the timeline, there will be no adult Ray to reappear. And even if you tell me that, well, the potential for him is there because now they, uh, since the legends are on the case, Ray may or may not die, and he's become Schrodinger's Ray. Um, that's fine, but that's not the way you've worked time travel any any other in any, any other, other show times. on any other episode. Um, I, I will tell you that this will not happen in Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. No, it will not. No, it won't. Because I believe we're operating by Bill and Ted rules. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, we're we're going to be very careful about this as well. Yes. Yeah. Admittedly, time travel is hard. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's 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 not easy. Uh, yeah. But the thing is that by Ray reappearing, the suggestion is, and of course we know we know that they're going to succeed, um, because well, Ray's the character in. Crisis on Infinite Earths. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they go back to 1988. They they start and everybody dresses up like 1988. For some reason, Je uh, Jefferson's in a Letterman jacket, which is like, I mean, well, it it in wasn't... movies and media. I think yes, people wore Letterman jackets. So let me explain. Let Patrick. That explain. wasn't that wasn't necessarily a Letterman jacket. It. It, well, I guess technically it is, but it's the satin um, satin jacket that has the stripes on the sleeve. It's mm -hmm. it's a it's Run DMC. 
Oh, it's Run DMC. Okay, because he could have been wearing a bomber jacket. But they used to do, but Run DMC would do the black satin with, you know, because they did all black and kind of the Adidas yeah. kind of track suits. And this was along that lines, except his was red. Right. Okay. And he had, the, he had the thick rope gold chain. Okay, oh, yes. So, um, so that was the one thing that, it, it, it's one of the things that I sort of like that Legends does. It, it, it's, I, I have divided feelings about this uh-huh. uh, because Jefferson clearly at one point was following Ray and he was not being particularly subtle about it. Right. And given racism, <laughs> right? So it's a kind of thing where I'm kind of glad they don't bring it up in the show because the show's not really equipped to deal with it. Right. But on the same token, I, I, I don't want them to, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, whitewash history. Yeah, but I... I Again, I I think we've talked about this too. I yeah. do, appre- and I appreciate that. I don't think they're trying to whitewash it, but like you said, they're not they're not equipped to really no go into it every time it would happen. Yeah, like I remember there was one where they went back to slave. Yeah, times. there was a, there was definitely a, a, a and, slave and clear, episode. Yeah, and clearly in that episode, and in that episode, they did race was the an issue. Yeah, but for the most part when they go around they will yeah they're in places or they or they handle it as if people are better than they were yeah and it's 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 again a thing where it's like yeah you're right you're not equipped to deal with this so probably best just to just to leave it as is but you know yeah yeah, there we go um so uh we noticed that uh baby ray in fact if i may Sweet, maybe, Ray. <laughs> you may not. That's, I, I, I'm not comfortable with that. I, I will. Sweet, sweet baby Ray. I, I am because sweet baby Ray's barbecue sauce paid us a promotional consideration. Ooh, are you they? are you barbecuing? You should try sweet baby Ray's. No, they're not. But I mean, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could. Yeah, they, they could pay us in barbecue sauce. I'd yeah, they could pay that. us in barbecue sauce. That'd be fine. Their, yeah. their barbecue sauce is delicious. Yeah, sweet baby Ray's, very good. Yeah. Uh, so Ray, small Ray, we'll call him small Ray. Little, little Ray is what they called him in the app. At, All right. Then we'll just at, call him little Ray. Nate called him little Ray. I'm going to call him little Ray. There we go. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's, it's coming to America rules all the time. <laughs> which it should be. Uh, which it should be. Okay. Uh, uh, well, you know, we haven't said at this point yet. Oh, that's right. Gonna, we haven't gone out on front street. Yep. Yeah, now it's time to 21 front street. Uh, uh, I I didn't like this episode. I I mixed feelings for the yeah. most part. I didn't like it, but I really appreciated how heavily they leaned into the ET. And into the 88 uh, nostalgia. Um, there's, one, there's one moment where Nate is washing a car and it's a DeLorean and he goes, now this is a time machine. Yeah. Um, there's another point where, uh, um, why do I always do this with her name? Amaya? <laughs> Not Amaya, but... Okay. Um, Lance, uh, Sarah, Sarah. I yeah. keep wanting to call her Laurel, but no, where, that's the other one. Yeah, where Sarah 
and Amaya pull up and they're in an IROC <laughs> Z. And I'm like, oh, they are. They, somebody likes their 80s. Yeah, um, it, I, I will say that some of the stuff, I, I have to say that that kind of bothers me in retrospect, because why is Nate washing a DeLorean? Where did he get a DeLorean to wash? <laughs> what, where is the owner of the DeLorean that is parked in the driveway? Presumably, like, it, it, it was just, where did they get the Iroxy? Why did they drive up in it? It's, it's, well, I just imagine that uh, Gideon fabricated all of these things for them, like the clothes. Uh, that's I suppose, but again, like Nate is in the middle of suburbia on someone's driveway washing a car. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, there there are going to be a few things. Um, I I have to come out and slightly disagree with Patrick. Uh, slightly, I agree that I did not like this episode. I didn't care for it. A lot of it, the things that I liked were a couple of jokes. Uh huh. Um but a lot of it felt lazy and a lot of it honestly felt like they just wanted to make they not only did they want to make ET they wanted to make a number of 80s movies and this was oh absolutely yeah. yeah no 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 i totally agree with that yeah this, there there was nothing this episode served no purpose other no. than to just be uh let's be in the 80s and let's reference these things Unless they somehow link it into the 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 plot, the overarching plot for the season, which is Malice and the Time Bureau. Yeah, but uh, we saw none of that. We saw none of that, and we didn't the, even we didn't even get the assassin that's chasing them. No, we we didn't even get that. Um, it, it's uh, it it's also just well, okay. I'll I'll get to the the other thing in a second, and it, this is something that they had better explain. <laughs> or um, I have words. So they follow they follow Ray to a newsstand. He's supposedly going to pick up a Scientific American. What he does is just grab a bunch of chocolate in broad daylight and shove it into his backpack. Like there are dozens of people around, and mm-hmm. nobody says, "Hey, kid, what are you doing?" Nobody says anything like that. Nope. He just shoves the chocolate into his backpack and he, he heads on home and adult Ray is freaking out because he's like, I'm a thief and I'm, I, I can't eat chocolate. That's got too much crap in it. It's bad for me. And, you know, I just felt sorry for him. Yes. So little Ray goes home mm-hmm. and he starts talking to something under the bed and we see an alien little hand come out and then we see a little alien baby come out and it turns out it's a little baby alien dominator. Yes. So here's the thing. It's gross. It's gross. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty gross. Adult Ray has no memory of this. And he explains it by saying, well, of course I have no memory of it. It's, it's, a, it's an anomaly. And I'm like, is this just something? See, here's the thing. T-Rex in LA, big deal. But Dominator appearing on Earth, also kind of a big deal, little bit surprised that the time bureau didn't catch it or is or get involved in some way so if they're just going to wave this away by saying yes this time anomaly was caused by whatever the legends did my question is so what did they do exactly to make an alien mom come lose her baby on earth like there's there's there we don't even get like a one line yeah it looks like a dominator ship crashed 
like they could have had Gideon scan when they got to 1988. They could have done a number of things, but they just don't do anything to explain why a specifically a dominator baby is on earth. Well, it's, I, you know, we never, we never get the rules of anomalies anyway. We don't. Um, so I guess I just, in my mind, accepted the fact that the, the baby just appeared, uh, like was taken from its time or from its ship and put here. And then the mother tracked it to earth. Yeah. But, but yeah, we don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's really weird because all of the other time anomalies seem to be time anomalies. This is a time and space and if you will, outer space anomaly. Like yeah. somehow it moved a dominator baby to earth, which just seems weird. Yeah. Right. Well, um, I thought, I thought you were going to say the thing about the, um, <laughs> Ray not remembering oh, I'm, any I'm, of it. Oh, I'm getting to that. Okay. Right? Because if Big Ray has appeared because now there's a possibility of Ray not dying, then Big Ray should have all of the memories that Little Ray has. Yes, once he... Yeah. Because if we learned anything from the Flash... Right. That once, <laughs> once one thinks it, the other one knows it. Right. I mean, yeah. remember that when the Flash did things and Savitar suddenly remembered doing them? That's a, right. That is a thing that should happen. He should yeah. be like, I wait, I don't remember a Dominator. Wait, I do remember a Dominator. Yeah, and, wait, it's under my bed. No, now it's in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, the Dominator comes out and they're, you know, they're having a good time and uh, Ray and Zari go in the house to try to stop things. Uh, it's the next day somehow, yeah. isn't it? Like they wait an entire 24 hours <laughs> to do anything about anything. Um, Cause like they see the dominator and then Ray goes back to the ship and starts saying there isn't a dominator. And then I think they're like, okay, so we'll get him. We'll go in and get the dominator when Ray's at school and when his mom's at work. Well, when they got there, Okay, so when they landed, Ray was getting out of school. Right. And he went home, and that's when they saw, the, when he saw through the window. The Dominator. The Dominator. Yeah. So then the next day, yeah. they go back when Ray's supposed to be in school. Right. So they wait a whole day. I just want to point that out. Like, yeah. again, Ray is the atom. <laughs> He could easily shrink down small enough to get into a house at night, grab the Dominator, shrink it down to his size, and carry it out. Mm -hmm. Right? If you're assuming that anything you do is going to be effective against a Dominator anyway, because what we do find out is that for some reason, the babies have all of the powers of the adults, but, it, but they don't. None of the restraint. It, it was really yeah. weird. So Ray and Zari go in the house. Oh, I should say. Um, do you want to do the B plot? Do you want I was to get the just B about to say the, the same okay. thing. Let's get it out of the way because it's really it it doesn't play into the A plot at all. Yeah, really. it, it, except in one situation, which again is dumb. Um, yes. So 
So the B plot is um, that Gray uh, is sort of being uh, elusive a bit with the group. Uh, he misses their kind of team meeting when uh, in that first scene with Zar um, with Zari where they're doing like the team building exercise and then Ray disappears. Yeah. Um, and so Jax finds him and he says, Oh, I was just on my way. I got, you know, held up. Um, and Rory confronts Jax and says, you know, uh, that he can help find out why he's being so mysterious. What, what's going on. He can yeah. kind of track him, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Rory finds out that somebody erased the jump ship's log. Uh, it, 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 like, again, it's, it's unclear as to how Mick Rory is finding this stuff out. Yeah. Uh, because he just sort of is. I, I will say that we are going to duck back out of the B plot for a second when we get back to the A plot to talk about the, something Mick Rory says before this happens, but it's not important. <laughs> What's going on right now? So basically... Mick convinces Jax that uh, Stein is in cahoots with the Time Bureau. And they go to confront him by waiting in the jump ship. Uh, he shows up. Uh, Rory does something to trash the jump ship. Like pulls something out of a console just really easily. So I'm guessing that somehow Mick Rory has some super strength that we've never noticed. Like just, <laughs> just a little bit of super strength. Maybe. Or maybe, you know, or maybe it wasn't something so hard to rip out. Just I mean, maybe, but it seemed like a kind of, like, you, you try to rip your steering wheel out of your console and tell me, <laughs> right? True. Okay. But it should be uh, noted that um, Jax has, has told Stein uh, before this that he's like, look, we have, a, we have a psychic connection. I can tell that there's yeah. something you're keeping from me. Yeah, but um, not what their psychic but, connection apparently isn't. It's yeah, it's it, empathetic, not te telepathic. Telepathic, yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, in Rory's following of Stein, uh, spying on him, he follows him down to this old storage unit in the ship that is which now is huge, 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 and it's now a lab. And it's yeah. now set up, and Jax is able to take a look at the scribblings and deduce that he's created a... Some sort a, of communication device. device. Now, again, we're going to talk about how dumb things are in a minute. Mm -hmm. Because when they catch him, he has the communication device on him. They accuse him of working with the Time Bureau. He's like, what are you talking about? Uh, Rory notices that he's got something on him and points it out and... Uh, you know, he pulls out a, a communicator, two-way like television communicator, that's somewhat larger than a Kindle. Yeah, and bulkier too. It's about the size yeah. of, I would say, um, a Nintendo Switch. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's roughly that size. Yeah, uh, and he's communicating with his daughter, who's about to give birth. And now that Rory has trashed the jump ship, uh, he can't be there for the first birth of his first grandchild so 
Jax and Rory are feeling very ashamed and sorry. So they're like, well, it's fine. We'll just take the wave rider to go visit your grandkid. And they do. And they visit his grandkid. And basically they have a conversation, which is a little bit dumb about how Jax is essentially part of the family. And it's good that he's there um, because he's, he's not. What's really happening is that Professor Stein is part of the Legends family rather than we, we haven't really seen a whole lot of, of we haven't really seen too much of Jack's being a part of professor Stein's family. No, not no, at all. No. Uh, so, so much so that, uh, the grandchild is named Ronnie. Yeah. After his other partner, his well, real partner. I mean, but you know, it's like you, Ronnie died doing something heroic. So, but really it should have been like Ronnie Jefferson or something yeah, like that. Ronnie Jefferson Stein. Yeah. Something because again, I first thought I had it's like, yeah, you remember when you kidnapped Jax? Yeah, because he didn't want to go on the time ship in the first place, and you kind of made him be part of Firestorm, whether he wanted to or not. I think well, you could at least, you know, give the kid's middle name, yeah, <laughs> so but yeah. anyway, especially since you're part of the family. I'm doing air quotes. quotes. <laughs> right. It's, uh, it, yeah, it's just a weird moment. Then Mick shows up with cigars for everybody, and then they go back to uh, 1988. Yes. So let's talk about the trouble with time travel. Is that like the trouble with tribbles? It is. Uh, there's time travel everywhere. Everybody's got one. It's breeding. And uh, <laughs> uh, Cyrano Jones, I believe, is the yes. trader's name. Mm-hmm. Um, Trouble with Tribbles, by the way, I think still the most popular Star Trek episode. And, uh, yeah, I would think so. Written by David Gerald, who started writing a very interesting alien invasion series in the, I think, maybe late 80s, early 90s, and has yet to finish it. So for those of you giving a George R. R. Martin a hard time, uh, David Gerald's had 20 or more years between, <laughs> between books. So... Um, David Gerald, you are not hearing this podcast. Uh, I do not mean to give you, you grief. You know that. All right. David Gerald, if you hear this podcast, uh, sir, I follow you on Facebook. I have a lot of respect for you. Um, it would be lovely to read more War Against the Kator books, uh, and I will leave it at that. Um, okay. So here's the thing. They are on a time machine. Mm-hmm. While time is passing... In, for people, time is not passing for them. It's, one of, it's, it's like that weird light speed experiment where you have the twins and one of them stays on Earth and one of them uh, moves off at light speed and the one moving at light speed is essentially stays the same age because they're moving so much faster than the other. I, I'm explaining it poorly, but go look it up. It's, it's a science fiction thing that's been explored in a number of stories. Um, there was something, there was one that I heard a while back. It was based on something called the a story called the cold equations, which is about fuel, uh, fuel costs and stowaways. And I suggest you don't read it unless you're ready to cry a lot. Um, but this one again, which I forget what it was called, but it was a thing where Einstein's theory of relativity hadn't been developed, mm-hmm. but they figured out how to go at light speed anyway. So they send the guy out at light speed and he's really confused as to why years are going by between communications and it's it's again don't look it up or listen to it unless you're you're ready to feel real bad but (laughs) 
Anyway, so uh, the point is that it's ridiculous to say that Stein was going to miss his grandchild's birth because the only reason he thinks he's going to do that is because he developed a communicator that work, that uh, works with his daughter. And the reason that the jump ship records are erased is because he, he went back to 2017 to give his daughter the communicator, which is like, dude, okay, when this mission is done, you could go back to 2017 a second after you left. Yep. Like, it, it, yeah, it is or literally, it, go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say, literally the only reason that he thinks this is happening is because he thinks this is happening. He has decided that this is a problem rather yeah. than saying, I can just go back to right after I left and not miss anything. Um, birth is a matter of public record. He can go, he can look up when the baby's born, go back to, oh, I don't know, maybe three, four hours before the baby. Oh, well, I don't know however long her her labor might have been but she you know if 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 the the goal is to be there for the birth of your grandchild you have a time machine he could have done that before he could have said i have to be there for the birth of my grandchild they could have gone okay we're going to go three four months ahead in the future real quick so you could be there for the birth of your grandchild and then we're going to go back to fix this julius caesar thing exactly yeah yeah that the idea of trying to make something about real time while you're someone's dealing. on a time machine and honestly this is their this is their fault for not explaining the rules of time travel because what they seem to be implying is that time moving forward is a constant except we know it's not because they've already broken that consistency several times yeah. um so, so yeah that was that was a a stupid pointless plot yes it was the other thing uh, basically I have the same problem with is at one point Sarah runs back to the wave rider and it's not there. And there's a note saying we took the wave rider, uh, Jack's Rory and Stein, except that again, they could have taken the wave rider and come back one second after they left. Mm -hmm. Th there's no reason for them to be gone. Like again, yes, things take time. They are experiencing the passage of time as they do things, right. but because they're in a time machine, they can go, backward or forward as they choose and not miss out on the stuff that they need to be there for. Right. They're on Doctor Who, which is a far superior time travel series. Yes. They have established that once on a timeline, they cannot go back on that same timeline until like like as a resolution thing you can't just yeah. go like oh i made a mistake jump in the time machine and kind of skip back uh i believe that's right <laughs> um, but, yeah but it's it's nothing like that was has been established in fact if anything the opposite has been established because the legends went back to 1916 at least twice yeah yeah uh, so they, they haven't said something like, while you are time traveling, if you were in 1988 and then you go forward to 2017 and you live for six hours in 2017 doing whatever it is, you cannot come back before those six hours have passed in 1988. For some right. reason, your lived time affects 
where you are in time travel. They haven't set up anything like that. And also that would be a dumb rule. Right. Like how would, how would you ever, at, at that point, you're positing some sort of weird, for lack of a better way to put it, super or extra natural force that is keeping track of the hours that you live. But we've also seen them do, do just that and when, like with the uh, Caesar episode where they go back and they can see their other selves. Uh, what, that know, was that wasn't the Caesar episode. What, that was no, the, that uh, was uh, the Spear episode. It was spear the, episode. The, I'm sorry. The, yeah. yeah, the end of of season two of Legends. Yeah, yeah, where you're making multiple, where you have now multiple uh, versions of yourself right. from different timelines converged in one. And remember, Zoom does the same thing. He goes and gets like 30 versions of himself Yeah. At, at, for that final battle and still somehow loses, which doesn't make sense. Okay. <laughs> Anything universe should have been floated. And yes. that, should have been the end. that should have been it. They should have touched each other, touched each other and like it died in their own singularity a la Time Cop. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But so, so that's our problem with the B plot. Not only is it bad, but people are dumb. Yes. All right. So back to A. Back to A. It is the next day. Mm-hmm. Zari and Ray run into the house to try to get the Dominator, but they hear little Ray coming back. Now, at no point do they just close Ray's door like, and just have somebody lean against it because Ray's not going to be able to open it. Right. And then, you know, like, Ray could be leaning against the door. Zari could get the Dominator, go out the window with the Dominator, and then Ray shrinks down real small and goes out the same window. There we go. Boom. Done. Yeah. But they don't do that. What happens is Zari scoots under the bed because the Dominator is now in the closet, again, a la E.T. Mm-hmm. Ray literally turns around in a circle looking for a place to hide and just shrinks, but he shrinks down for some reason to the size of an action figure, which is not small enough, and the Dominator comes out and starts playing with him. And then little Ray, little Ray comes into the room and sees him and goes, I don't remember buying you and puts him with the other action figures. Yep. And without even like trying to move him or pose him or anything like that. Uh, and somehow Ray is standing perfectly still. Yeah. And stays that size and doesn't, you know, shrink. Uh, but, um, Oh no, 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 no. We forgot something. Uh, we we forgot that when uh, Ray came home. Uh, no 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 yeah. When when did he watch Singing in the Rain? This is it's about to happen now. Because I thought I remember. No, I guess you're right. Yeah. So because um, he's watching Singing in the Rain, his mom comes home. Right. He starts watching Singing in the Rain, uh, and like Good Morning starts happening. I mm-hmm. I personally have never seen Singing in the Rain, so here we go. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I was trying to feign the same, yeah, know, the same shock that we we learned on uh, on Hisma yes. that Patrick has never read Lord of the Rings, and I I did shock face or the Hobbit uh, or the Hobbit. And Patrick, would you like to repeat the reason that you gave for not reading those? Racism. There we go. <laughs> the, uh, Tolkien was a huge racist. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean he was certainly not as as bad as. H.P. Lovecraft. I was going to say as Lovecraft. Yeah, but, you, but that's a that's a low bar. There are definitely a lot of uh, you know early twentieth century racial attitudes encoded in his work, which is unfortunate yeah. because I do love it. So anyway, hmm. 
So yes, they're watching. Uh, so Ray pops in a VHS of uh, Singing in the Rain. And they're and, watching Singing in the Rain. And they're watching Singing in the Rain. And it's Good Morning. And uh, Ray's, little Ray's head is just bopping side to side. The gumball, the gumball. dominator, is bopping his head side to side. And we pan up to uh, Ray, who's shrunk down to the size of the action figure, also bopping his head side to side to Good Morning. And they're like, are we hearing music? And Ray's like, yeah, Singing in the Rain. It's my favorite musical. And uh, what we learn is that McRory's uh, favorite musical is apparently Fiddler on the Roof. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which, given that he says Mazel Tov a lot, would lead me to believe that McRory is actually Jewish. Possibly. Possibly Jewish. Martin Stein, certainly. McRory, maybe. Maybe. Um, Um, But we hit back and we hear someone coming in the front door and um, it's Ray's mom. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I also appreciated that we, we, well, we see, we see her pull up in the driveway. Yeah. And um, Nate and Amaya are dressed as animal control workers staking out the house uh, in an animal control truck and Nate goes, Ray, why didn't you ever tell me your mom was hot? <laughs> and Ray does say, why would I ever say that? Which why would is, I ever tell you that? Yeah. Which is, which is great. And I wish they'd left it there. But the Ray's mom is hot mm-hmm. uh, line of humor continues. Yes. Throughout it, should, the- it absolutely should have stopped after that. Especially since Ray and Nate are supposed to be so close. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's also like, what does Nate think he's going to accomplish exactly? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I would have, or if either that or they should have leaned more into um, Nate trying to obviously make Amaya jealous. Yeah. But they don't uh, do that either. They kind of play with it in a cursory sort of way. Yeah. Uh, in a very, a very, if you will, juvenile sort of way. Yeah. Um, so, oh, I'm, I'm looking something up. Uh, okay. Do you remember the song Stacy's Mom? Yes. That it, what, is that 80s or 90s? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, let's, let's find out. Because uh, I'm wondering if they were like, oh, well, this was that error too of that song. Stacy's Mom has got it going on. Uh, I feel like that was 90s, though. All right, let's see. Uh, Stacy's Mom is a pop of Fountains of Wayne. Oh, wow. Stacy's Mom was released on the radio in May 20th, 2003. Oh, wow. Uh, Time is all the same, folks. It's 2020, and as we all (laughs) well know, time has no meaning anymore. Uh, But frankly, uh, 2003 is basically the 80s and 90s. We don't care. Exactly. Also, the, the song is crafted to sound as though it were an 80s song. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially since it covers my mistake. So there we go. But yeah, so Stacy's mom is uh is not of the era, but that is certainly the the feeling. So she goes into the room uh and starts talking to Ray about how he he the caused a fire in the science lab and he's skipping school and they it's not terribly important dialogue. And then she hears a rustle in the closet and she's like, what's that? And then Zari says in a clearly audible whisper, Hey, 
we need someone to distract her. And neither Ray nor Ray's mom says anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like there is clearly a voice speaking English under the bed saying words that we can understand, but we're going to ignore it right now. <laughs> uh, uh, and has Ray, little Ray already grabbed Gumball and jumped out the window? No, this is coming. So okay. what happens is that um, Nate's like, yeah, sure. I'll take one for the team. And he gets out of the car and he goes and he knocks on the door and he shows up. When Amaya's standing there, and then, like, Nate does stuff that people don't do. Like, he starts acting like he's in a porn. Well, he's flirting. Yeah, except that that's not how people flirt. <laughs> With their ex standing next to them while they're on a mission to try to prevent, like, their best friend from getting killed. Right. It's, well, and it, I wonder if the thought was that again they're so bad at portraying people who are not necessarily smooth or cool in different situations because nate started out as like a bookish sort of uh nerd librarian sort of feel and then he got with Amaya, and I guess, yeah, I, it's so un, so hard because you know, then he started acting like some sort of frat boy, and now I don't know what his identity is supposed to be, as far as his self and not steal. So maybe it was just there. Well, let's show him being bad at flirting. Yeah, it's it's honestly as though he is he is flirting as though he were Anthony Michael Hall in an eighties movie where somebody had talked Anthony Michael Hall into having some confidence. Yes. Like he does the one arm leaning up against the door jam and he's just really breathy and it's just it and it's like Yeah, we just got finished you know, I just got finished wrestling a bear and rescued a bunch of kids. They were really cute. Nobody does that. No. Nobody does that. Also I believe Nate has a doctorate in history. Yes. Um, yes. I was a doctoral candidate for a while. Uh, well, for a year. It's a, you're not a candidate until you've actually passed your, um, uh, your, your comprehensive exams. But I was certainly a PhD student for several years. And I can guarantee you that none of us acted like a meathead. Yeah, no, it's... And Nate has been increasingly written to act like a meathead. Yeah. Um, they have, as as poorly as they've treated Ray's character, Nate's character has also been kind of uh, treated just as bad, almost. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, look, they've got... It's like, we really want to have a couple of relatable bros... We want to have some nice bros on this show. Let's take the two. Let's take two of the people with advanced degrees and have them just bro around and be dumb. And it's yeah. like that's not. <laughs> See what you really needed. <laughs> <laughs> what you really needed was old Len Snart himself, old Captain Cold. Yeah. Uh, you needed him as an animal control with Mick to come up to the door and just be like. We've noticed there's a raccoon in your neighborhood. Yeah. It might be in your house. Let us check. 
okay. If you don't mind my saying, you're uh, you're pretty hot. <laughs> Mick, yeah. not while we're on the job, Mick. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it. Uh, it's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, it's frustrating in yep. that you know you look at those two characters of um, Ray and Nate and their friendship could be a bromance but it should be a bromance that is appropriate to their two personalities their two personalities their level of education and what they've done like ray when he's doing the whole team building thing isn't acting like a ceo he's acting like a manager yeah and and i don't mean like i mean he's acting like the manager of a mcdonald's (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna say of a, a Spencer's gift, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's like yeah, just like some mall job, some you know, like there's no I in team there, you know. But it, it can be a theme. It it could be something as as simple as just being like, hey, you know what? Uh, we've had a rough time. We've got a new team member. You know what? We used to do this in corporate all the time. I know it's cheesy, but just go with me. It'll end up being fun. Just get into it a little bit. We'll do this for half an hour and then we'll, you know, just. Yeah. No, there's an approach that could have been taken to the same actions that they just don't, they don't give Nate or Nate or Ray the savvy. Yeah. Again, Nate has Go ahead. Yeah, Nate has a doctorate in history and he's acting like he's acting like an he's acting like a fraternity pledged undergraduate. Yes. Ray had a very successful uh tech company and several doctorates in sciences. Yeah, and he is acting like uh like you said like I don't I don't even think he's acting like an undergraduate fraternity boy. He's acting like a child. Yeah. And we, yeah. we just want them. You've told us these people are smart. Please have them act like it in situations that aren't just, oh, I know a piece of obscure knowledge that happens to be exactly what we're looking for. Right. Right. Uh, again, something that will not happen on Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. We promise you that. Yes. Our smart people are smart. They are going to be smart. Yes. Um, so, Okay. Okay. Uh, so, so what happens is that Nate and Amaya successfully distract Ray's mom long enough for little Ray to get worried, jam gumball in a backpack, for some reason take the Ray action figure. Because he needs a friend. Because he needs a friend. Gumball he, needs a friend. Gumball needs a friend. And he jumps out the window and Zari is some, you know, gets out from under the bed and somehow gets out of the house and starts chasing him without Ray's mom noticing. Apparently their, their doors close or she goes, maybe she goes out the window too. I think she will. I would take it. She went out the window, the window too. Well. And he scrambles through the backyard toward a gap in the fence and he shrugs off the backpack. Zari starts to talk to him, you know, to try to talk him down. He's not having any of it. And he picks up the backpack easily with one hand and moves it easily through the gap in the fence. Now, the Dominator baby has a head roughly the size of a soccer ball. I would say it's about the size of a Cabbage Patch doll. It's it's very large. Yeah. It would not have fit 
at no point does the backpack seem heavy enough as no point does gumball seem squirmy enough at, at no point do the dimensions of the backpack appear as though they've been affected by putting a dominator of the size that gumball is into the backpack right. uh, speaking of size i also want to point out in the tunnel bit at the end of the last episode the eyes were situated in such a way to as to lead me to believe that this thing had four legs was fairly broad and and you know that was that was it gumball the way they the way they put the eyes in the tunnel like where they put the eyes in the tunnel and how those eyes moved doesn't match up with gumball's size in this episode i don't remember the the vision from the last i'd have to go back and take a look but yeah. i yeah but i i i trust your memory <laughs> Thank more you. than i trust them so um we, oh go ahead i was just gonna say because we know they'll lie to us in a heartbeat uh but yeah yeah they don't do anything to that backpack uh, to make you believe for a moment that there's an alien baby inside of it. Like it just looks like someone grabbed a Jansport backpack off the, uh, off the rack mm -hmm. <laughs> and just handed it to this kid actor. Um, like they don't even bother to put something that is moving inside the backpack to show movement or, you know, weight. So yeah, it's it's just really it's like you could have taken the slightest effort to yes. have done something like that. But who do they think they are? Us yeah. in this and this, uh, this podcast. We don't take effort, <laughs> but we are completely transparent, which they are not. Once again, also yeah, he didn't leave the cockadoodie car uh, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So he uh, so little Ray doesn't trust Zari, and he run he runs off. And she pursues. And uh, then apparently it's night and he's in a tent somehow with a cardboard sign that says Camelot. I mean, maybe he's already set this up somewhere in the woods. I Yeah, I took it as if that's his little play safe space. Also, his mom, for somebody who, who cares about, you know, like where he is during school hours, apparently doesn't give a shit. <laughs> like she... Like, we don't see her looking for him at all. I mean, maybe she's used to this. Maybe he just goes off to Camelot and he stays there for several hours and <laughs> comes back. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he... Uh, Ray, from inside the backpack, is uh, communicating with Zari on how to communicate with his younger self and to get him to trust her. Uh, and they basically have a whole pseudo medieval bit mm -hmm. uh she, she calls herself lady zari and refers to him as sir galahad and uh sir, sir gumball and sir gumball and, and just as she's developing trust out come the uh government the agents yeah. yeah uh where have they been this whole time we don't know uh but somehow they're aware of everything that's happening um so they take ray zari and gumball back to the the rec center which they've somehow again made into a weird lab like none of the rooms that we see are appropriate to a rec center the, there's one there's one moment 
when yeah. they walk outside of the plastic sheeting yeah. within a big room and you can tell it's like a gymnasium. Yeah. That's it. But that's and, it. And yeah. Um, so meanwhile, yes. uh, the mother dominator. Yeah. Well, we, we have um, we have a bit where Sarah thinks that she saw time bureau activity. So yeah. she goes out to investigate that. Yeah. And as she's outside, uh, it looks like she's. Um, oh, no, she must be outside the school. Yeah. Um, and uh, Dominator shows up and handles her with a swiftness. Um, and then. I'm combining these two scenes. We cut away and then we come back and she's uh, webbed up in a, in, I guess a cocoon, you want if you want to call it, but her it, head's free. But it's plastic, isn't it? I, it looked like webbed to me. Okay, like okay. which is uh, weird because we haven't seen the Dominators do that. Yeah, um, and the mother Dominator starts to, well, what, yeah, we find out it's the mother of the of gumball and she's interrogating sarah and sarah's giving you know little quippy answers and finally the she sarah's like you'll have to work with me we'll have to work together if you want to get your child back and she's like oh yeah and so she just puts her hand on sarah's head and starts sucking out her memories um reading her mind i guess because sarah retains the memories if she sucked them out they'd gone. But uh, so she sees all she needs to see and leaves Sarah alive. Yeah. I was Just, like, yeah. I, I was, mean, yeah. I I was like, this is a dominator. Wouldn't she have like ripped her head off or One something? One would think. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know. But, but I guess yeah. because her main focus is to get her child back, she just leaves her alive. And runs off. And the last flash we see is of Ray's mom's house. Yeah. Uh, Then we cut to Amaya and Nate in the woods. Yeah. And they basically have a conversation uh, about their relationship, which is Amaya wants to, wants to be friends, uh, which is also like, <laughs> it's it's just dumb. Look, I recently read a comic called Sunstone. Uh, at least the first five trades of it. Uh, the the creator, uh, I believe, Stepan Sijak is he's from um, Central Europe, and I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his name. Uh, but he uh, he wrote the story about these these two BDSM lesbians. Uh, and yes, exactly. <laughs> I but, was not expecting that, but go ahead. But they have they have this situation where like they become sort of friends online. One of them writes erotic stories, and the other one reads them and is a fan, and they become friends. And they're like, "Hey, we're friends." I've never really done the dom thing. I've never really done the sub thing. Why don't we try this out and see what happens? Um, and they go into it, and of course, they both catch feelings, but they both agreed when they started that they were going to stay friends. So they can't tell each other that they have feelings. And then there's this huge, awful breakup. And then they finally reconcile. And it was kind of beautiful. And I was crying. And I was just, it was, it was <laughs> there have been two media properties in the last month or so where I've been like, if these two lesbians don't tell each other they love each other. <laughs> 
Nate and Maya's relationship is dumb. Yeah. Because Maya's like, I just want to be friends. And it's like, why do you want to just be friends? You want to just be friends so you can go back to 1942. Okay, do you do you have no feelings for Nate? Because now it seems like you the actress is not playing any reluctance on her part to be mm-hmm. friends. She's no. like, it, it, it seems like she has, her romantic feelings for Nate have somehow disappeared, uh, which is easy to understand because Nate's a big meathead. Yeah. Uh, uh, but they have this conversation about their relationship. And by the way, um, I'm kind of done with it. Like, I don't care about Nate and Amaya's relationship at this point. You're going to have to make me care about it. And you won't because you're not writing it that way. And the actors aren't acting it that way. And it's right. it's just dumb. So yeah. anyway, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It does. There's, yeah, there's no, yeah, there's no fire to, for, 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 the, I want them to find other people. <laughs> um yeah so they have that conversation and then the they see the government guys go by and they're tracking uh the dementor the uh, dominator gum, the dominator yeah um gumball and little ray i believe yeah so that scene probably happened before they take zari and Gumball and Little Ray. Right. Okay. Because uh, we see Sarah get out of the cocoon. We see her finally tell somebody else that there's a Dominator yes. <laughs> going on. By the way, that was the thing is that like Jax, Stein, and Rory have no idea that there are, that there's a Dominator around. Right, like, and nobody tells them, and they're like, "That's nah, fine. We can take the ship. We can take Firestorm. We don't need him. We'll just leave." Yeah, yeah. Um. So, Nate and Amaya go back to Ray's house for some reason. I don't remember. Well, they, oh, oh uh, because they figure out that the, the Mother well, Dominator. Yeah, Sarah yeah. tells everybody that Mother Dominator's here. That she read her mind, and the last place that she. Uh, saw Gumball was at Ray's mom's house. So there, right. Ray is like, oh, and my mom, my mom is home. And so uh, they all start to converge on Ray's mom's house, but Maya and Nate are the closest. Right. And they're like, we got it. Don't worry. We'll take care of your mom. So, so they get there and uh, this is sort of, I'm going to do this and then we're going to go back to what's happening in the rec center because it's better to kind of get all of this out of the way at, yeah. at one time. So Nate and Amaya, Nate goes up and knocks on the door. Like he, he gets to the house like several minutes before Amaya does. Um, he knocks on the door. Ray's mom opens it. Oh yeah. I, I looked up her name cause I thought she looked, uh, she honestly, to me, uh, looked a lot like James Marsden. Her, her name is Susie, Susie Abramite, Abramet. It's A-B-R-O-M-E-T, uh-huh. Abramay. Uh, anyway. So that's that's the actress's name. Oh, did, uh, did she not show any relation to James Marsden? She does not. Uh, so she opens the door and is essentially dressed like Dana from Ghostbusters after she's been possessed. Yes. Uh, yes she is. Sort of the same color robe and the same hair. And basically she pulls Nate in 
and she's very flirty she's very flirty and forceful and she starts to seduce nate right about the same time that sarah sees ray's mom trussed up in a tree in the same kind of web so she says but wait if ray's mom is here that means and then we see uh ray's mom start to make out with nate but behind his head it's the three clawed hand of a dominator and i'm like okay wouldn't the dominator be just as grossed out by this as a human would be if they knew that they were making out with a dominator well, I think she the, would, well, she was using it as a ploy, so. A, a ploy to, because here's the thing. If all she wants to do is find out where her kid is and she needs that information, she could have gotten Nate into the house, slammed him up against a wall and slapped her hand on his forehead. And that would have been enough to get what she wanted but instead they're doing this weird seduction scene which is worth it for me for one moment that happens when amaya busts in Uh and says get away from him you bitch which is (laughs) reference to aliens yes uh and then if i may a (laughs) slobber knocker ensues (laughs) yeah they had a donnybrook yes (laughs) Uh, those are the two words we use, and we will use those two words forever. Yes. <laughs> they, and it, it's, it's, it's really a dumb thing. Like Amaya, you know, becomes a sort of a lioness. She gets a lioness uh, thing going on from her Hamlet and she, amulet, and she knocks uh, her, yeah, yeah, she knocks the Dominator off of Nate, and they start to tussle. And then Nate starts throwing records at the Dominator, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, I'm like, that's Nate. That w- Turn to steel, Nate. Yeah. Nate, you can turn to steel. What? That'll be far more effective than vinyl records. Why aren't you doing that? Yeah. Uh, and they fight the Dominator long enough to run out of the house uh, onto the streets. And it is Halloween. So when the Dominator comes out and chase them, uh, it, she just looks like an extraordinarily good costume. And a kid dressed as Michael Jackson, which both Patrick and I thought was a little inappropriate, yeah. uh, says cool you got cool costume cool costume meanwhile yeah. um back yeah to the I, I would yeah no the whole michael jackson kid i was very I was uncomfortable yeah <laughs> uh, especially the kid was white was he i think so i don't know i know you don't think so i think he was either like mixed or uh latino we're gonna hope that that's the case yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say, uh, but he was, yeah, it was like, it was a little kid and it was just like, I was trying to think timeline wise, when did Michael Jackson die? It was in the 2000s. Okay. Uh, maybe in the 2010s. Okay. So it was, but as like, maybe they were trying to pay homage well, you know, and also Michael Jackson in E.T. The, True. That whole thing. So maybe yeah. that was their line of thinking. With with that, I don't... With that. Because yeah. he was definitely dressed as that Michael Jackson with the blue glitter jacket, the silver glove, the curly hair. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Back at the rec center. The rec center, the government agents are like, okay, we've got him locked up. She's in a cell. He's in. And they do this thing where they put the baby dominator on this sort of upright standing steel table. And like they have little baby dominator sized manacles. And it's like, first of all, where did you get that? 
You took the time to build this Why do you, table. Hey, hey, you know what? We also fabricate things for evil labs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, evil medical equipment. If you need if you need a stainless steel uh, dissection table for a baby dominator, we're the guys for you. Remember, dual construction. Five five five, 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 five. five. <laughs> uh, three eight four five. <laughs> Call us now. Call us now. <laughs> dual construction. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so they it yeah. So the baby dominator is strapped to the table they've also got some sort of mind control um remote that is suppressing i guess its powers sort of um and and they're they're all really happy with themselves yes uh but somehow little ray's escaped we don't know how we do know that Big Ray comes to get Zari out of her cell. They have not confiscated her amulet, by the way. No. Uh, so she could have got herself out. Either. She could have got herself out. But Ray gets her, and we go back to the scene where originally we saw little Ray get shot. But right as that's about to happen, uh, Big Ray blasts the two government agents. Mm-hmm. And... Thus saving his own. Thus saving. They go behind the locked door, but that's not where the lab is. They're still moving around. They're trying to convince Little Ray that Gumball is a problem. He doesn't believe them. And they run into the room where Gumball is. And they're about to rescue Gumball, sort of. You know, Big Ray's like, no, you don't understand. And Well, wait, wait. I think it is important to the plot that um, earlier in the episode, we had Zari remark on the fact that Ray is always so positive, that he has such a positive attitude. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's what I believe. Yeah, I've taught myself that if you believe everything will be all right, it will be. And like, and so we see that same positive and little positive attitude in little Ray. And so once Ray shoots the two agents um, and he's like, all right, we got to get out of here. That's uh, not going to keep them down long. Little Ray is like, no, we have to save Gumball. Yeah. And Ray goes into a whole monologue and a pretty good, and he does a, I think he, he does a really good job with this monologue. Yeah. Where he's talking about every, he's like, I hate to be the one to break it to you that everything is not always going to be okay. And Gumball will hurt you and blah, 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 blah. And the kid is like, no, no, he's Gumball my friend. Gumball would never do that. Yeah. Right. And it's Zari who's like, okay, you know what? We're going to go save Gumball. And, you know, we're going to save your friend. Showing that her heart, the ice is melting. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so they go to save Gumball. Yes. And four agents come in with mm-hmm. guns held. One of them is the guy who is, who is always there when Dominators show up. And the other three are agents we've never seen before this episode. Yes. Uh, and... They have their guns drawn, and we see the Dominators, like, little red spots start to glow, and Ray's like, I think you should put the guns down, and the lead agent is like, I I can't. And they go, he's, I think Zari says, he's mind-controlling them, which is a thing that she doesn't need to say. Right. And Ray is again, Big Ray is trying to convince Little Ray, look, you gotta get him to stop, he's gonna hurt everybody, we're all gonna die if you don't listen to me, and then all of a sudden we hear, good morning, good morning, and Gumball is dominating the three agents who are not the lead agent to recreate the good morning scene from 
singing uh, in the rain. Singing in the rain. And he's bopping his head side to side like he was yeah. earlier. And um, there, and he little Ray's like, see, I told you he went and hurt me. And so they, you know, they're like, we better get out of here. So they grab Gumball and they run out as all four agents are now doing singing in the rain right and ray's like oh we can't leave it's just about to get to the good part then he's like oh yeah that's right no which is <laughs> yeah so they are they are running towards sarah and nate and amaya are running towards sarah being chased by the female dominator and sarah's like i hope they all get here at the same time <laughs> and as as luck would have it they do mm-hmm. and uh they do because they uh zari and ray uh steal some bikes little ray steals some bikes and they need to get there quick so zari touches her amulet and with a puff of air they both rise into the sky and fly they're silhouetted against the moon again in just a straight ripoff of et yeah except this time ray is flying behind them in full size yes also once she started using the wind power why did they continue to pedal I don't, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's because you're on a bike. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we see them fly by the full moon and like you say, the Amblin Entertainment <laughs> logo. logo. Right. Um, and they all get to this, the, the rendezvous point mm-hmm. at the same time and we get the, you know, it's time for you to go home, Gumball. I'll be okay. Speech from Little Ray. Again, a la E.T. A la E.T. Um, and we see, you know, he says he's got his new friends, so take care of him. Yeah. Which he's wrong. They're not sticking around. They're not sticking around in 1980. I mean, maybe. Maybe there's going to be another episode in 1988. I don't know. He won't <laughs> find it. We're not going to find that out for four episodes. So, speaking of which, Patrick, we, we might as well have this discussion on air, but we can have it a little bit later. <laughs> we need to talk about recording. Oh, yeah. Okay. Of course. Yeah. 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 Um, then, uh, so from that, the De- mommy Dementor and Gumball beam up to their, their ship. Yeah. And leave. And um, we cut back to the house ray's mom's house and adult ray and nate are giving her the men in black flashy thing yeah and then talking about the destruction of her house on the inside possums possums yeah (laughs) it was mating season yeah and she's like, this isn't one of Ray's things. And then Big Ray's like, no, no, no. In fact, you're doing a really good job with Ray's. I'm sure he's going to grow out of whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I was disappointed that they didn't do the thing, which might be a little cheesy, but I, I don't know. I kind of wish she had been looking at Ray and, and at Big Ray and been like, do I know you or you look familiar or something? Because that's a, a mom would would see the fam the resemblance of yeah. her little child and an adult version. I feel yeah, I, it, it might, it, it, it's certainly something that's, that's, that we've seen in media before. Yeah. But I also feel like, yeah, you'd recognize your own, even if it wasn't a thing of like, you know, there'd be some sort of bond. Yeah. But anyway, 
They yeah. didn't do that. We, no. um, they say they're going to go, and then we cut to the bedroom, and Zara is in the bedroom with the young child. Yeah, and she just has a chat with him, and she's like, well, you know, we... He's like, we were going to watch a movie. We watched the movie with me. And she's like, why aren't you out trick-or-treating? And he's like, I can't eat all that candy and whatnot. And then we cut to him trick-or-treating. And he's dressed up as the Adam. And I forgot to mention earlier, there was a scene where two kids bully him because it is an 80s movie and it involves a young smart child. Um, <laughs> so two kids bully him. And then they show up and they like... Uh, are about to bully him again. They're like, this is... This, I also feel like they're dressed, they're both dressed as skeletons. Yeah. I feel like that was a reference to another 80s movie and I couldn't... Karate Kid. It. Yes, thank you. Karate Kid. It's thank all you. of the Cobra Kai folks are dressed as skeletons. Um, so... Uh, they... Uh, all right. So they do that. Um, and, and they're like, like, who are you I'm supposed the, to be dressed as? He's like, I'm the Adam, the coolest superhero ever. And one of them's like, Adam, that's a dumb name. And then Ray steps into shot. But the problem with this particular trope is that everybody is going to step into shot as though somehow they came out of hiding somewhere and they're on a suburban street. Yeah. Like it, it would have been really obvious that these adults are very close. Yes. But they, but, yeah, but yeah, but we get the single shot kind of canon of them lining up. Yeah. All in their uh, costumes. And Firestorm is there. And, uh, you know, like, it's, uh, Nate's wearing his costume. And Zari's wearing a costume. It's a big white flowy thing. Yeah, I, I looked at her. I was like, is she supposed to be? I guess she's Isis. That would be the mighty Isis, by the yeah. way. Not, yes. uh, you know. Oh, mighty Isis. Yes. Yes. Uh, so... It's a nice, and they're like, these, and like, who are these people? <laughs> what well, yeah. did say? Who are these adults? Yeah. And he goes, they're my friends. And I, the bullies are like, they're your friends? Cool. Yeah. Like, because they're all dressed up in costumes and they look like superheroes, I guess, which yeah. are a thing that exists in this point in time. Um, well, it's been 88, so yeah. Well, but that's the thing is that the only superheroes that we know who existed in 1988 were the Justice Society of America, and they were pretty secret at that point. Like, all of the superheroes that we're currently watching, you know, Arrow, Supergirl, everybody like that, right. they exist in a later time uh, around 2012. Okay. So, so you know. Yeah, we're thinking that they don't. But we've seen the comics exist. We've seen the comics exist. I mean, Superman was certainly around before Supergirl was, but we don't right. know for how long. Okay. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting that they would go, oh, these are clearly superheroes, and that makes them cool. Well, we don't have any reference for other superheroes existing in 1988. Right. Yeah. Um, even though we know they, they clearly do. Uh, sorry, other superheroes existing publicly in 1988. Yes. Um. So they have that scene, and it, it, again, like a lot of this felt like just we're going to take this scene from this 80s movie and this scene from this 80s movie and this scene from this 80s movie, which is one of the reasons that I didn't like it, because it really didn't feel like an homage to me. I know, mm -hmm. Patrick, this is where we disagree. You said that you really liked that it leaned into the E.T. thing, and I just felt like they're like, well, let's let's do E.T. and throw a bunch of other 80s yeah. stuff in there, and, you know. I didn't say really liked. Okay. I, I, I like, I, it, it 
it got me through the episode. I still don't think, like, again, I don't think this was a good episode. But it was, like, a D. If I were giving a letter grade. If we're giving a a letter grade. It was a D. And for me, a D minus. So it's also like, and none of the heroes remarked on the similarity to E.T. So... Can we assume then that E.T. is a movie that does not exist in the Eurovers timeline? Perhaps. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, but then we, uh, we cut back to the ship. Everybody's come back together. Uh, there, people are apologizing. Uh, Martin Stein's really excited because he had a grandkid. And then uh, Jax talks to Ray. Well, we, we get – first we get Ray talking to Zara – Zari. Uh, Zari. Uh, yeah. About, uh, and she's like two truths and a lie. And he's like, are we team building? Um, and here's the thing. I think they're setting up a Zari Ray romance because if I had to look at what the two actors were doing, Zari was definitely playing interested. Uh-huh. Ray was oblivious. Oblivious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's going to go watch a movie. He gets some popcorn. He runs into Jack's. He's like, hey, you want to come watch a movie? And Jack's like, no, I got, I got some. I almost gave him a New York accent. I don't know. Why. <laughs> I want him to use his real voice. Yeah. Like, no, I, I have things. I have some things I need to work on. Yeah. So, yes. But he's going to go work on some stuff. And, and, and then he's like, Ray, you know, Gray doesn't really belong here. And Ray's like, yeah, you guys are inseparable, though. And Jack says, that's what I need your help for. I want to break up Firestorm. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, which is also something I, that I don't think Jax is, is going to have to realize that that means he's going to have to stay on the ship a lot more. <laughs> because he's not really, he's, you know, Mick's got his attitude and his fire gun. Jax has Firestorm and his incredible uh, mechanical ability. Mm-hmm. But the mechanical ability is not really going to serve him well in the field. Right. Yeah. He, he is not the B.A. Baracus of this team. Uh, for one thing, they don't have to put drugs in milk. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't know what that reference is, go look up the A-team. Yeah, maybe watch it. It probably does not hold up. <laughs> oh, I bet it does not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, have, I can imagine a lot of cultural sensitivity issues with the A-team. Yes. Yes. Uh, but anyway, that is the end of the episode. That is the end of the episode, which means that we've come in at a, a lean hour and a half or so. Uh, and that means it's time for plugs. So yeah. Um, I will plug the, the clean tank. Um, you guys have heard me talk about it so many times. Uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome interesting episode you chose to listen in first for first time uh the click take is the podcast i host along with uh matt bachman rob white sean g byers gary denardo and we talk about any and everything under the sun except politics Politics. um which means we talk about tv movies uh music Video games, board games, um, head games. We make up games. It's all all the conversation that you wish you could be a part of that now you can. Uh, The Clink Tank. 
Um, and we also have a Patreon. Um, if you go to patreon.com, you can search us, uh, the Clink Tank uh, podcast. And, um, you know, these times are still, uh, there are so many other worthy causes that are far more deserving of your money. And please, please give to those uh, like Black Lives Matter, uh, human rights campaign, anything that supports um, LGBTQ. I always get that wrong. <laughs> no, LGBTQ, yes. Okay, I got it right. And the, uh, the Marsha P. Johnson Foundation. Marsha P. Johnson Foundation. There are just so many causes that are doing so much good in such a bad time. So uh, please give to those first. And then if you find you have uh, something to just throw our way, feel free. Yes. Um, and, the, you know, the the Clink Tank is a part of the Steve Network. That's right. <laughs> uh, so I, of course, would like to plug How I Spent My Allowance. Uh, it's a show. We've got myself, Patrick, uh, Riley Bartlebaugh, Naomi Collard, and James Finley, and we are currently in the middle of discussing. Oh, actually, yes. Uh, when this is going to go up, we are in. Uh, we are just starting to discuss Margaret Weisley, Tracy Hickman's uh, Dragons of Autumn Twilight. Uh, if you want to hear what we thought about Spellfire, those eight episodes will be fully up and downloadable at this point. Um, if you are coming to us from um, System Mastery, uh, thanks for giving it a shot. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I know we are we are not quite the same as uh, Jeff and John, but I like to think that we we are we do snarky reviews in our in our own way. Uh, yes. So if you if you enjoy System Mastery or Expounded Universe, I, I would wager that you will find some enjoyment in Arrow Chapter and Verse and how I spent my allowance. We also have a Patreon. It is patreon.com slash clogifes. That's patreon.com slash L-L-A-W, G-Y-F-F-E-S. As Patrick has said, if you just put in L-L-A-W, it'll pop right up. And I would like to second everything about Patrick's, uh, everything about what Patrick said. There's a lot more deserving people to give your money to. Give your money to them first. And if you have a couple of bucks to sh uh, shoot our way, please do that. Um, I, I will notice that uh, we are now only at uh, $24 a month. Uh, one of our one of our patrons had to had to drop down a little bit, and I'm not saying who, and I I, I don't know why, and frankly I don't care. Uh, it's their money, and they could use it. If they wish. <laughs> <laughs> but what that means is we are twenty six dollars away from our first goal, which is where Patrick and I review uh, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, um, Young Justice, and Batman: The Brave of the Bold. And if twenty six of you all give a dollar, uh, I promise I will not stick to the restrictions I have on the Patreon levels. If we get up to fifty bucks a month, uh, everybody gets to hear Patrick and I review those shows. Everybody, everybody, uh, you want that? Believe me, we want that. Oh, We'd we like to review. We do. We'd like to review some good DC shows. Uh, I will also say that there are a couple of other things in the works. Uh, they are probably probably not out yet. But if you listen to this podcast, uh, you can be sure that I'm going to announce them on plugs. And now for a special behind the scenes, how the sausage, sausage is made bit. Patrick, in order to keep up with our ridiculous eight episodes a month, uh, <laughs> I believe at this point we only have, I think, four in the can, including this one. That's okay. right. Eight, nine, 10, 11. Uh, and that is only enough to take us through perhaps the second week in August. So since I am going on vacation for a bit, 
we're going to need to try to find some time, perhaps if you have time next weekend, where we could record two on Saturday and two on Sunday to give us enough to push us through August so that we can record more for September. Um, we can do that. We could also do uh, some during the week. Okay. We could, uh, we could do yes. one, one or two during the week. That way, if we, if we still double up, we'll have more. Or if we don't make the doubling up on the weekend, we will have episodes already. Okay, we'll have excellent. Two in the camp. We will, and we will discuss this uh, later on. Uh, listeners, I have to say that the reason that I was going that uh, we released so much content is because we had so much content to release. There were just a ton of shows that I could put out uh, that I'd already recorded. And since, you know, we don't edit these shows, it doesn't take very much to put them up online. Um, since we have now basically caught up to where we are, uh, I'm not sure that we're going to be able to maintain the <laughs> somewhat ridiculous eight episodes a month that we've been pushing out. Uh, but if we do have to drop down to a somewhat more reasonable four, yeah. uh, I will, I will let you know, Patrick, and I will let you know. I will also say that when you started without me, without me. <laughs> and um, a mistake, the, I regret to this day, your episodes were much shorter. That's true. So pumping out eight episodes a month, was easier because they were only, I think, 20 minutes 20 long? minutes long. I think my longest one before uh, I started having guests was 45 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So now we're averaging like an hour and a half yes. or hour and 15. 20, it's something, something like that. Yeah. So dropping back to uh, four episodes a month is not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable. Uh, <laughs> and again, if that is something that we have to do, we yeah. will let you know here. On Arrow chapter and first. You'll hear it first. <laughs> uh, but before we go, yes. I do want to say one more thing and sort of a, I don't know if, not necessarily a plug, but just a plea. Yeah. Please, as we get closer and closer to election time, remember, get out and vote. Yes. Vote, 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 vote. Vote, vote, vote. If you haven't registered to vote, please do so. Please vote. Uh, I, I am just going to say this. Um, this is not the year for a protest vote. No. Uh, I, I, I am going to... Uh, I, we've been political on this show. This is not the clink tank. It's and not the clink tank. We're going we're gonna to do it again. Yeah, folks, I'm not super happy with Biden. Uh, he was not my first choice for a presidential candidate. Uh, my first choice, frankly, was Warren mm. um, because she had plans, guys. If you went on her website, she had like plans for everything that she was going to do. Yeah, uh, which was which was pretty great, um, but uh, he's he's better than what we have now. And see, here's the secret, and here's the problem: um, civic engagement can't stop with voting. Assuming we get Biden into office, we have to continue to hold his feet to the fire, to hold our senators' feet to the fire, to hold our representatives' feet to the fire, to get the changes that we want. If we are silent and complacent again, just because we don't have Trump in office, that's what allows Republicans to win elections, is yes. we all go, great, we've got a Democrat in office, everything is fixed, except it's not. So we need to keep the pressure on to make sure that the changes we want happen. And this is, guys, this is the disappointing part, especially I'm now speaking to the white people. White people, you need to listen. Change is incremental. We have been raised in a society where instant gratification is the name of the game. We can have virtually anything we want extremely quickly. 
And often we don't see the costs of that. I'm thinking of stuff like Amazon Prime two-day shipping, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody else is working their ass off to make sure that we have the thing as soon as we possibly can. The changes that I want to see, which are, are frankly uh, sweeping in nature, uh, are not going to happen probably within my lifetime. But if I keep pressure on, there is a chance that they might happen eventually. If I sit back and go, well, now that a Democrat's in office, I don't have to worry, they will never happen. Yeah. You have to, and the only way to get change is to vote. And then the only way to keep change is to be active and present and be a voice to be heard. Um, you can't, it's, it's, it's not just the one election. It's, it's everything. You have, it's, to, you have to be there. You have to make, use the time that we've just gone through the past four years and every time you felt angry or unheard or, or insignificant, Remember that and hold those people accountable. And the way you hold them accountable is showing how you feel by voting and yes. continuing to vote and say, and let it, nothing stop you from being heard. Write letters, send emails, call. Don't limit your participation to internet. Uh, um, uh, whatchamacallits? Um, pro Polls? Uh, Poll, nah, uh, petitions. There we petitions. go. Don't, okay. don't limit your protests or your involvement to internet petitions. Basically, nobody cares about those. Take the time to write a letter. Take the time to call. Take the time to send an email. Let your elected representatives know what you want from them. Mm -hmm. uh, because right now, uh, they're listening to the money and money talks, right? Yep. We'd, we'd like some people, um, you know, like, uh, We'd like some people to, you know, listen to people rather than dollars. So we'll see if we can get that to happen. Yep. And the um, only way to do that is you got to show up. Yeah. You, you got to show, show up. And to all of those protesting and, and, and showing up now, thank you. Yes. Uh, thank you for being there and being present. And hopefully your, your, your passion will continue on and yeah. continue on to other people. Thank you for literally putting yourself in danger. Thank you for putting yourself in harm's way to uh, ar articulate feelings that we all have that some of us cannot be there to protest for. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> so are we going to end every arrow chapter and verse with a call to action? Probably not. Is this the last call to action you're going to hear? Probably, Probably not. not. <laughs> but we, we do put them at the end of the show, and we tell you when the episode we're reviewing is over. So if you want to skip the plugs and everything like that, at that point, you could just you could just turn it off. You are under no obligation to listen to the entire thing, although I hope at least you do listen to the entire review. Me too. Yeah. Yes. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> with, with that, I think we finally come to the end of the show. Yes. So we hope you had we hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs> we do. We hope you had a good day. We do. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs> and